Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for joining. Please like the video and subscribe. Um, The protests at Bristol have been the focus of much media and political attention. And I suppose what's interesting or what's important, I think, is this question of balance. The media often talks about balance, about sharing all sides of a story. I think it is fair to say, whatever you think about what happened in Bristol, that we've heard a lot about the police interpretation of what happened. And in a so-called democracy... I think it's important that we hear all perspectives and the perspectives that have been completely missing uh, from this discussion have been those of protesters themselves on the ground. We're going to address the balance. That's what this is about today. So I'm very chuffed to be joined by both Louis and Saranya. Hello, both. Hi. Hello. So you're both in Bristol. So just tell me first, whoever wants to kick off um, the discussion, Tell me about the build-up, why you both went to the protest. What 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 was so important about the protest and why so many people turned up? Who wants to start? Saranya, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, I think so many people turned up um, for this protest because, obviously, the bill that's going through Parliament right now is incredibly dangerous in terms of taking away very basic rights and liberties of people, especially to peacefully protest. Um, and I think for a lot of people... This has taken um, the authoritarianism we've seen from the Tory government over the past decades to a whole new level. And they're really realising now that if we don't stand up in some way, we're going to be, you know, completely under the hands of this government that is not even going to allow us to protest peacefully. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. And, a cat, there's um, a cattery yeah. here, but carry on, sorry. <laughs> I think, obviously, especially in Bristol, we're a student city. Um, there's a lot of young people. Um, a lot of us feel very strongly about this because, you know, we've grown up under a Tory government. We've grown up in the wake of the financial crisis. Um, and we've had to pick up the pieces of every situation that's been thrown at us. And now we're picking up the pieces of the COVID crisis. um, And we're being told that we may not even be able to peacefully protest and stand up for what we believe in. So I think for a lot of students and young people, especially, it was very important to show up. Louis, what about yourself? Yeah, um, obviously, I'd like to echo everything that Sarani just said. And as well, um, I noticed when I was there, it was quite nice to notice that there was lots of... um, signs that are explicitly supporting the right to trespass for uh, gypsy roma travel communities um i don't obviously know the like the demographic makeup of bristol and how many uh, gypsy roma travel people are like are in bristol but they did feel like there was a significant like presence of people explicitly supporting that which is really nice to see especially when like it's very much like you know they're the people who are going to feel the real effects of this bill uh, much more than just um you know privileged students like us necessarily um so yeah i think it was that's like a significant portion of the bill which has kind of been swept under the rug a bit uh, in much of the discourse around it it's such an important point and those who aren't familiar with the provisions of the policing bill which uh, need to go through parliament they particularly target 
uh, gypsies, travellers, uh, rover people who are amongst the most oppressed peoples in the whole of Europe and are a traditional target of reactionary elites and politicians. And um, so it's so, so important. I'm glad Louis raised that and that that element of the protest as well. So Sarania, tell, tell me, Sarania, about when you, about how you saw the protest on the ground. What what happened? What was the atmosphere? And before what happened later on that evening, what was the posture, I suppose, of the police? What approach did they take? So that's a, kind of the general atmosphere of the protest and, and then your own perspective about how the police operated on the ground. Yeah, so I think... Um... You know, the protests started out very sort of like a run-of-the-mill march. Um, we marched around the city for a couple of hours. Um, nothing really broke out. The police presence wasn't actually particularly heavy at that point, um, which was interesting. But once the, um, sort of the march started to disperse and people started to leave, um, the police showed up a bit more with some more numbers. We were by Castle Park in Bristol and they showed up with a van and some people decided to sit in the road and occupy just like a group of 10 to 15 people um, and the police tried to shift them and move them and were threatening arrests um, on the road, at which point a lot of people decided to come back and join and everyone started occupying the road um, and pushed the police van back, um, at which point I think the atmosphere really shifted. Um, people felt a lot more incest about the fact that the police were trying to you know disrupt this display of peaceful protests in the road um and that's when we marched back down to the police station and sat down in front of the road there and occupied um which as well was initially very calm and peaceful but i think the police got very hostile very quickly because we were of course like encroaching on their territory literally on their doorstep um and you know they got their shields and their batons out um and that obviously led to escalation um because the crowd got quite spooked um and things got quite heated quite quickly um and of course like later on um the police were much more heavy-handed with how they dealt with the situation um using pepper spray they brought out dogs horses which was completely unnecessary escalation or it was complete scare tactics um which of course led to the crowd becoming even more heated and some violence occurring what's your perspective louis <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I read. I wasn't there. I was there from two p.m. on uh, Castle uh, in, on the College Green. Sorry, uh, at the start of the protest, and I believe the police were trying to disperse people before that as well, threatening fines, threatening arrest for people who were initially gathering at the start of the protest, presumably because they wanted to spook people away or like find some organisers and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think initially they were. They were like trying to prevent the protest happening from like the very start. It's just that people showed up in too many numbers, um, and yeah, essentially what everything that Sarania said was basically how it went. It was, um, you know, we were literally sitting down in the road in front of the police station. Um, that's what was happening, and then suddenly it all sort of kicked off when police started getting a bit more aggressive, trying to move people away. Um, yeah, so it was it was very much like a. It felt like most of the escalation came from the side of the police, uh, from our perspective. You want to explain how you saw things really escalate? And lots of people have seen, of course, footage of the scenes of what happened later that evening. Just start with that, Sarania. How, how would you say, what, 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 what was the kind of moments of escalation? How did it get to the point 
that we saw with those scenes. Yeah, so I think, well, initially, um, after we got to the police station, riot police came out within 15, 20 minutes, um, you know, vans of them marching down the street, which obviously, I think if you're just a protester um, in a crowd, maybe you haven't been to so many protests before, seeing vans of riot police is definitely going to scare people and make people feel a certain way. Um when all they're doing is staying on the ground, um, trying to, you know, make a scene and stand up for what they believe in. So that was a big escalation, after which um, there was just a clear hostility in the air. There was, we were surrounded by police with shields and batons. um, So obviously it just felt like a massive threat. Um, The getting out the police dogs was definitely a big escalation. I thought that was very a very strange tactic from the police. I've never seen police dogs at a protest before. Um, and it felt like a complete um, just fear-mongering exercise, which obviously got the crowd very angry. Um, and yeah, the obviously clashes broke out between the police and protesters. Um, and I think at a cer- certain point, it just became quite clear that there wasn't any way to resolve it. The, the police didn't seem to know what to do. Protesters were obviously not going to back down at that point. Um, and there just seemed to be a stalemate for a good good few hours, um, at which point, obviously, it just allowed for more and more clashes. Um, later in the evening, police did start to kettle people, um, surround them and try and attempt to make arrests um that was obviously a big escalation and um we managed to we did not get caught up in the kettle um but were on looking and you know saw that police were battering people with their shields and their batons um which was very distressing to watch um pepper spray was brought out very soon um I saw girls falling back from the crowd um with pepper spray in their eyes which was really scary it's sort of the first time I've ever been actually scared at a protest um so yeah I think there was uh, many points of escalation that definitely could have been avoided from the police's side if they had handled the situation better hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What do you think, Louis? Yeah, and particularly on the um, the use of uh, dogs and horses by the police. I mean, the, at certain points during the night, it was clear that the police dogs were not uh, at all under the control of uh, the officers like handling them. I think there's uh, images of one dog attacking its own handler. It's like, you know, the police weren't even in, in control of their own, you know, forces of escalation. Um, the horses as well were, at multiple points, were like charging at crowds of people, uh, which is... 
you know, which did cause like a, we were quite far away at that time, but it did cause quite a like stampede of people. And you can see how a situation like that could have gone a lot worse if it was more of a confined space, which luckily it wasn't. Um, so yeah, I think there wasn't much thought put into the use of the tactics that were brought out. I mean, it, it like definitely fills you with a sense of adrenaline, even if, even if you're scared, even if you're far away from it. And you can see how that would manifest in people in protesters then, um, like taking further action and stuff like that. So I don't think it was really thought through exactly what they were doing. Um, I mean, exactly the forces they were like in control of, well, not in control of, exactly. Um, yeah. So um, overwhelmingly the media coverage and political response was focused on the actions of protesters and the injuries amongst police officers. What would you say to that in terms of this, like, the narrative, I suppose, that, that you know protesters were being violent and caused injuries and so on and so forth what, what, what do you say to that Tarania? yeah i mean i think obviously like i understand why a lot of the public um has reacted in the way they have um it's you know a lot of the scenes were quite shocking and it's not something that we're used to especially in this country to see protests um turn so heated um and it is obviously unfortunate that anyone got hurt. That's never the intention with any protest. But what I would say to that is obviously, this is one isolated incident um, in sort of years of protest, whereas police brutality happens on the streets of England every single day. You know, this follows um, police grabbing and manhandling women at a vigil where they were mourning for a murdered woman. Um, and, there have been hundreds of deaths in police custody over the past couple of decades. Um, you know, a lot of people like to sort of bring this distance um, between the police in the UK and, and the things we've seen in the US um, with Black Lives Matter. But I think, especially now, is is quite clear that that distance no longer exists. Um, we are also living in a country where the police is increasingly authoritarian, um, has a lot of power and is able to abuse that power and does on a daily basis. Um, so I think, obviously, while it's unfortunate that any violence happened from protesters, um, it's sort of understandable in a way why people would react to this, uh, would react in this way at this point. Um, you know, our rights to peacefully protest are under attack and are potentially being outlawed. Um, so at this point, what else are people meant to do if if there is the time for last resorts is kind of now and I don't think you can blame people um for reacting in a certain way when we are on the defensive it is not protesters that were going on the offensive it was the police that started aggression that started hostility and at that point a regular civilian who does not have this monopoly on violence and power like the police does um reacts in an emotional and heated way and I think that is understandable and that's something that the media hasn't particularly um covered in any way Louis yeah I suppose I mean yeah I'd essentially you know I'd like to repeat everything that Sarani said um but there's never a discussion in the media about the ways in which uh, the police yeah have this monopoly on violence they are the violent arm of the state other than the military um there's never this really like actual like sober discussion of how uh, the police is a violent institution. Um, it's always just taken a, like for granted that 
uh, this is the way they are. This is how it should be. This is how they should be policing us. This is how the society should be run. Um, and there's no sort of discussions about alternative ways that um, the police should be acting or that uh, we could be like have policing systems or could have uh, like systems of um, like running our society. Um, and yeah, just it, like you were saying, in all the reports that have come out about Bristol, it's always just from what I've seen, it's very much just um, taking the police's word for granted. It's using all the statements from the police and, you know, talking about the protests, protesters from their perspective, uh, not thinking about how the police as an institution is not a, a neutral arbiter. They have their own agenda. They have their own line that they want to push to make themselves look good as an institution. Um, and so, yeah, I think journalistically, the coverage of this has been incredibly poor. So again, yeah, thank you for having us on um, and for like showing that there are two sides to this, that it wasn't just a, a violent uh, riot of angry people. It was a, uh, you know, we're, we are like protesting something politically. We're not here just for smashing police uh, stations necessarily. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, there needs to be more discussion about the ways in which the police have been escalating this uh, for a long, long time, uh, not just since last summer and the uh, the Black Lives Matter protests, but obviously that plays a huge part into it. But, you know, ever since stuff like Wargrieve and the uh, violence against the minor strikes, people remember this stuff, you know, and the police as an institution hasn't necessarily changed. It should be noted as well, as, as one example, back in 2018, it was reported uh, that uh, Bristol's uh, race relations advisor was uh, tasered by police with a stun gun after they mistook him for a wanted man. And then mm. once again, a few months later, also confused him with that individual and drove off laughing. So there have been other incidents, which I think is very important to look at in the wider context about why relations perhaps before this, specifically mm. in the local area, were not great. But just, just finally, I want to just broaden out I mean, today it was reported that of the nearly 700,000 payroll jobs lost over the last year, 88% has been lost to under 35-year-olds. And obviously that comes in the context of the last 11 years where younger people, in a broader pos broadest possible sense, under 40, so I can worm myself, worm my way in. No, but the, the, the kind of millennials and Zoomers, I suppose, um, have suffered uh, the brunt of the financial crash and then obviously now again suffering through the, the economic consequences of a pandemic that have been catastrophically handled by the government with one of the worst economic consequences and death tolls on earth. Um, so we've seen obviously the trebling of student debt, we've seen the decimation of youth services, uh, we've seen a housing crisis that really badly hammers younger people, we've seen public services that younger people overwhelmingly um, depend on being cut, social security as well. Uh, I mean, it's just a general multifaceted onslaught on the living standards of, of, of younger people, which is just an objective fact. And the living standards of younger people are, are significantly lower than they were before the 2008 crash. So I suppose what, just describe that broader context and how it's left I suppose many younger people feeling a sense of very profound disillusionment and anger at a society, which clearly is just objectively. I mean, you could be on the right and go disagree with my politics and our politics here, but you can't just, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. You're not entitled to your facts as the old expression goes. These are just facts. I mean, you might have different solutions to them if you're on the right, 
that they are facts. So, Sarandia, just just talk about that kind of that context of how young a lot of younger people feel and how that's, you know, it's not just about relations with the police here. Yeah, I think um, definitely everything you've said, obviously, young people have grown up um, in this political time where we've grown up essentially under a Tory government the entire time. Like the last time um, Labour was in government, I was four years old. Um, so it's not right, is it? 2010. <laughs> um, 2010. Huh? Yeah, yeah what year? Wait a minute. Yeah. However, <laughs> how old were you in 2010, if you work out? Um, I was nine. Um, nine, nine. Yeah. No, still, look, there we go. Nine. Still, yeah, it's a striking fact. Five. Um, yeah, sorry. I'll just start That's right. Um, yeah, so obviously young people have grown up um, over the past couple of decades in a political climate that has been dominated by um, conservatism, has been dominated by austerity. Um, you know, the Tory government has been in power since I was nine years old. I know nothing else realistically since I've been growing up, since I've been, you know, being able to work and being able to go to university and education. Um, the financial crisis, I think, was obviously a massive turning point um, and we're still seeing the effects of that today on young people um, and now compounded with the COVID crisis. That's going to, I think that's going to lead to a much bigger crisis for us. Um, in terms of housing, in terms of work, in terms of education, because young people are, I think, you know, typically we view young people as very political, very incensed, very um, active, and that is still very much true, but I think a lot of us are so disillusioned with the political system of this country, with all of the political parties, um, and with how we can actually get involved in politics, because it seems that there is very little that we as young people can do to shift um, the political climate, the political narrative, which is why I think a lot of people do tend to turn to things like protest and direct action um, and more grassroots activism because it feels like we can actually make some kind of a change or some kind of a shift when um, the establishment and the typical, you know, roots of political power are completely ignoring us day in and day out. Um, so I think this is kind of a natural progression of all of that. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily come with violent protests or riots or, or whatever, but when authoritarianism keeps ramping up as it is currently, um, it is understandable why things are getting even more heated, especially in our generation. Louis, finally, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, so the sort of um, age uh, gap in how people vote, you know, it's not really something that's been set forever where young people vote for for Labour or people for Conservatives. It's something that's very much developed, you know, since the 80s, since the 90s, since neoliberalism became the uh, dominant form of politics in this country. Um, it hasn't just come out of a vacuum. Um, there's been a steady increasing of like precarity in the housing market and the jobs and stuff like that um, since the 1980s, um, particularly since 2008. Um, you know, I'm probably not going to see like own a house like just myself for an extremely long time particularly with the amount of student debt that you know we'll both rack up uh, like being at university um so yeah it's like when you look when we look towards our future there's not much to look forward to exactly especially when you consider that 
the climate crisis and stuff like that and how little is being done to solve it it all feels it's hard not to feel like nihilistic about uh, your position in society um yeah i mean that's something I have to say. It's uh, gone. It's gone from my mind. Um, that, was, that, was, that was very eloquent in its own terms. Explained it a lot. Um, I mean, just just very quickly, piddly, because I know you need to go anyway. Uh, you've got work to do. But do, what? Finally, just to kind of piddy, what kind of hope and optimism do you have in terms of social change? Where where is it going to come from? Um, I can. Yeah, I can start. I mean, yeah, you can go go I think. Personally, I think since, particularly since last summer, obviously these conversations have been going on since, uh, I mean, throughout the 2010s, but there's been a significant increase in how critical people are of institutions such as the police and the way that uh, state violence manifests itself in the UK and the US, you know, across the world. Um, there's an increasing awareness of, you know, this isn't right and there needs to be improvements or even complete uh, reshapings of, our society. I think young people are starting to greater articulate um, their critiques of uh, systemic power um, and stuff like that. You know, obviously with Occupy and stuff like that uh, over a decade ago, it all felt very um, maybe wishy-washy and sometimes the critiques of uh, the state and our economic system. But now people are more aware of like exactly what's wrong in society and exactly what needs to happen. And I think groups like Sisters Uncut and uh, Black Lives Matter UK have been a big part in that process, particularly for me. I know, like, educationally, I think their resources and, like, what they've been doing activism-wise has been particularly useful. Um, yeah, I think that's what make, gives me some hope, I guess. What, what about you, finally, Saran, your final words? Yeah, definitely. I would uh, agree with all of that. Um, I think, you know, especially as, as a person of colour, it has been... Um, really interesting the last few years to see um, this kind of this kind of new sense of people from across the spectrum deciding that um, maybe we do actually need to fight against these institutions that systemically oppress people in our society. Um, and while there's obviously still a lot of work to be done, I do have some hope and some optimism for it. And I think there has been progress and, and there definitely has been a shift, like Louis said, in terms of how people view the police, how people view the state and how people, people realising that actually maybe the status quo is not okay and maybe it's not what has to be and there is an alternative um but i just think that is crucial that people don't get sort of caught up um in individual you know protests in um moments in history and view this um from a wider lens as a systemic problem of the state of police violence um and of the economic system, because, you know, we can make as much progress socially in terms of our words and our narratives, but until we see institutional change, um, there's no actual material change for the people that need it. Um, but I do have hope um, and optimism that, you know, we can get some of that, especially in our generation that is now realising um, the powers that be are not necessarily in our favour. Thank you both so much for that. And for those watching, this channel is very much about offering alternative perspectives to that which we routinely see in the media. And I hope whatever your perspective, you will appreciate the facts that you've heard 
views and perspectives which should be heard in a balanced media ecosystem, particularly when reporting on events, which so far we've only heard one perspective. So there is the other, and it's a very, very eloquently put perspective too. So thank you so much. Please like and subscribe to the video. I'll see you soon.